Some dangerous individuals engaged in romantic relationships can sometimes resemble ticking time bombs, carrying the potential to commit heinous acts, even murder. They may use the facade of a romantic relationship to mask their sinister intentions, exploiting their partner's trust and vulnerability. Yet, compared to the stringent measures adopted by other countries, South Korea appears extremely lenient. The stalking murder case in Karakdong, Seoul is a complex case involving dating violence and digital sexual crimes, in which a 30-year-old woman lost her life simply for meeting a man she shouldn't have. Because the incident occurred in a parking lot witnessed by residents and security guards, it is called the Songpa Apartment Parking Lot Murder Case. And because the motive for the crime was a breakup, it is also called the Songpa Karakdong Breakup Murder Case. Let's delve deeper into this case. On Tuesday, April 19th, 2016, 32-year-old Kim Jong-un was busy preparing for work in her apartment in Karakdong, Songpagosol. It had been about a month since she last saw her ex-boyfriend, Han Yo-jun, who had been stalking her for a while after their breakup. Her father, also concerned for her safety, had not left the house for quite some time, fearing that her ex-boyfriend might break in and harm her. However, on that day, she felt somewhat relieved, so she took the opportunity to send her father, who had been neglecting his health while battling stomach cancer, to a nearby spring for a walk. Soon after, she was left alone in the house. At that moment, the doorbell rang, and to her shock, it was her ex-boyfriend, Han Yo-jun. Had he been watching her all along, how did he know she was home alone that day? Shortly after, a terrified Chung-un was captured on CCTV, screaming and running out of the apartment and into the parking lot, with Hyojun holding what appeared to be a knife chasing her. In her desperate attempt to escape, Kim Jong-un ran barefoot to the apartment's outdoor parking lot and fell to the ground. Hyojun, as if he had been waiting for this moment, approached her and stabbed her in the neck, heart, and ribs a total of six times. It was a workday morning, so there were apartment security guards and residents around who tried to protect her. But Hyojun, undeterred, quickly finished what he set out to do, threatened the approaching security guard by swinging his knife and saying he would kill him if he came closer, and then fled the scene on his motorcycle. Kim Jong-un was rushed to a nearby hospital after being reported by residents, but she had already died at the scene due to deep wounds and excessive bleeding. The CCTV footage at the entrance of the apartment at the time captured Kim Jong-un's desperate struggle and showed how persistently Han Yo-jun targeted her. In addition to the weapon used, two sharp knives, nylon rope, tape, and sulfuric acid were found in the bag Han Yo-jun was carrying that morning. Based on the surrounding CCTV footage and eyewitness statements, the police identified Han Yo-jun as the suspect. Six special investigation teams were dispatched, and through mobile phone tracking and communication investigations, they immediately analyzed his escape route and arrested Han Yo-jun on April 20th, the day after the crime. When Han Yo-jun was taken to the police, he initially said, I didn't intend to kill her. I kept the weapon to harm myself. 
At the time, he didn't carry any other weapon besides a cutter knife. When asked by investigators where the knife was, he said he didn't know. Han Yujun, who severely injured his left hand with the blade that broke while stabbing Kim Jong-un, received treatment at the police hospital after being arrested. But it turned out to be an attempt to destroy evidence by secretly hiding the weapon in the bandage. Hyojun, who was detained in a detention center, showed the weapon to other detainees and bragged about the crime until a detainee informed the police, who then found a 23-centimeters-long knife hidden in the detention center's blanket. Despite the relatively quick arrest after learning that the victim and the perpetrator were separated lovers, and the perpetrator had been stalking her for a long time, People were infuriated by the police's inability to prevent the horrific incident in the first place. The two, who were of the same age, met through a friend's introduction in May 2015 and started dating a month later. Everything was fine at first. Kim Jong-un, who had studied abroad in Japan and was working as a general manager helping with interpretation and overall operations at a large dental hospital, and Han Yo-jun, a U.S. permanent resident, 185 centimeters tall, good-looking, and working as an analyst at a famous securities firm, took good care of her. He frequently visited her parents and cared for them like his own, as his parents lived in the U.S. However, chong un gradually started to feel uneasy about his attentiveness in taking care of minor things like her commute, as he would get furious if she didn't report every single move and who she met. They constantly argued as Hyojun extremely disliked her meeting anyone other than himself. To make matters worse, Kim Jong-un, who couldn't understand Han Yo-jun's excessive obsession to the point it was beyond abnormal, started to doubt if everything he told her was true. One day, sensing something was off, she contacted his workplace and was told that there was no such employee. Hyojun, who actually worked in the clothing industry, not at a securities firm, was said to be an odd person who couldn't mingle with other people. He was even unemployed during the time he was dating Kim Jong-un. Eventually, in February 2016, about eight months after they met, Kim Jong-un asked for a cooling-off period and to distance each other from some time. For her, it was a preparation process to break up with Hyojun, who was obsessing over her while all her trust was already broken. However, Han Yojun began to act creepily, starting with a handwritten letter that started with, Honey, it's been exactly 12 hours since we broke up, and suggesting that they should die together. On March 2, 2016, using the excuse of repaying a borrowed 3.4 million won and using his usual affectionate tone, Han Yo-jun called Kim Jong-un. Han Yo-jun then went to the Chamshil Bridge, changed his demeanor completely, and started making threats. Han Yo-jun started threatening her, saying that he tried to kill his other ex-girlfriend, but only managed to break her leg, but he won't fail this time. He said he knew where Kim Jong-un lived, worked, and even where Kim Jong-un's mother's beauty salon was. So he threatened to kill her and her entire family if she tried to break up with him. 
At the same time, Han Yeo-jun informed Kim Jong-un that he instructed his sibling in the United States to reveal unknown contents in a USB, which had been already sent by mail, if she reported him or if anything went wrong. He then tripped Kim Jong-un and stepped on her. She didn't tell anything about this incident to her parents, and it would have been a buried truth if it wasn't for a recorded file that was later found. Kim Jong-un, who was so shocked by this, mentally struggled. She couldn't speak for a while and would fall to the ground whenever she heard a loud noise. She was utterly exhausted when she received a call from Han Yeo-jun on March 11th, nine days after the threat. She told him, my legs are too weak. I don't think I can go out to meet. In response, Han Yeo-jun called Kim Jong-un again, saying, I think I'll have worse thoughts. I don't want to live like this. He said that everything he said at the Chamshil Bridge was a lie, crying and begging to meet again. This was more than enough to make Kim Jong-un feel distant, as he was acting like a psycho. Kim Jong-un was firm in her stance against Han Yeo-jun, who relentlessly came to her house and office demanding meetings. She constantly pushed him away, saying, we can't be okay, that's for sure. The more she pushed him away, Han Yeo-jun's pathetic threat attack continued. Of course, this was not true either. On the evening of March 12, Han Yeo-jun said on the phone, I should die, would you believe me then? What if I'm dead in front of your house? And on the early morning phone call on March 18th, he sarcastically said, isn't it amazing to have someone who will die for you? And then blurred the subject of death by saying, I think you are dead now, and I am dead too. However, sadly, Kim Jong-un did worry he could harm himself. On March 19th, Kim Jong-un, who met a middle school friend, said, I'm scared of being harassed, but I'm also scared that Han Yeo-jun would really do something terrible to himself. Her noble heart wished that even if they broke up, he wouldn't give up on life. From the beginning, Han Yeo-jun didn't care whether Kim Jong-un was happy or unhappy, as long as she was his girlfriend. He insisted on meeting as if nothing had happened, saying, I need to see the end. It doesn't matter if it's not love. And eventually, cunning and vicious stalking began. Kim Jong-un lost weight and developed social phobia. Eventually, her father, who was fighting cancer at the time, found out. At that time, the family reported Han Yeo-jun to the police for stalking through various behaviors such as threats by phone, text messages, and tailing. But they didn't receive any special protection and eventually gave up on reporting when Han Yeo-jun went on a rampage after being fined only 80,000 won, which is about 60 US dollars. Kim Jong-un's parents ended up having to follow and protect her on her way to and from work. Kim Jong-un and her family could only hope that Han Yeo-jun would get tired of it and stop, as there was no other way. They tried to resolve the situation amicably, considering their past relationship. Eventually, Kim Jong-un's father met Han Yeo-jun and asked him to stop stalking and even offering to buy him a drink if he was having a hard time. He agreed and turned away, and Jong-un didn't hear from him for a while. But Kim Jong-un, who thought the situation had somewhat improved, saw Han Yeo-jun monitoring her from the rooftop of a building across the street while she was looking outside. As soon as he was caught, he started contacting again as before. 
Kim this time firmly declared the breakup. A few days later, in the early morning, Han Yujun called her in front of Kim Jong-un's house, and her father went outside himself to check. But Han Yujun, who was hiding a little out of sight, even mocked her, asking if it was good to have someone to protect her. Han Yujun, who was a loser to the point that he couldn't reveal himself confidently to her father, however, put a lot of effort into appearing as the scariest existence in the world to Kim Jong-un, who was once his lover. And Han Yujun chose to end Kim Jong-un, who was trying to talk sense to him, saying, My feelings for you are completely shattered. Do you think we can meet again, get married, and live well by piecing together the broken plate? Can you just let me go? Your way of loving is wrong. On that fateful day, he ensured he didn't hurt himself, wrapping the knife handle with pressure bandages, and even prepared two spiked drink bottles and sulfuric acid to spray on her face in case he couldn't take her life. Despite this, Han Yujun made the ridiculous excuse that he had no intention of killing her after being arrested. Han argued that in the heat of the moment, he lost his temper during the conversation and committed the crime, said the items in his bag were to be used on himself, and he didn't remember anything that happened in the victim's house or the entire process of committing murder and fleeing. However, even though his car was already in Kim Jong-un's apartment complex, it was clear that he was racking his brains to deny the crime was planned when he had prepared a motorcycle separately. Moreover, according to the investigation of his movements, Han Yujun went to Bunjongdong, Songpagu, where the beauty salon operated by Kim Jong-un's mother is located, and then fled to a vinyl house in Gyeongmundong, Kuri City, Gyeonggi Province, about 15 kilometers away from the crime scene. This was a route that showed signs of planning secondary murder. Despite the quick arrest, it is extremely disappointing to think that all the victim and her family wanted was just to keep him away from them. Han Yujun, who claimed he tried to harm himself, argued shamelessly in court testimony, I killed her because I loved her so much. Han Yujun, who lied that he asked for a breakup first after seeing the victim with another man, but Kim Jong-un wanted to continue the relationship, made an absurd statement that the victim was the first to wield a weapon. There was not a single gram of truth in his claim that he killed her because she betrayed his love. Moreover, he was shifting all the blame onto the victim by giving a completely opposite account of all the facts. Professor Yi Su-jung, a criminal psychologist, paid attention to Han Yujun's upbringing regarding his pathological obsession. Han Yujun immigrated to the United States in 1997 when he was 13 years old and acquired citizenship, but he couldn't adapt properly. Eventually, he returned to Korea after only three years and lived alone for 10 years. During his adolescence, he lived apart from his family and led a solitary life. Although his family's situation was not revealed, it seems that his family was unable to handle him either. The fact that he borrowed money from Kim Jong-un shows that he was negligently treated by his parents while living alone. The parents who abandoned 16-year-old Han Yo-jun in Korea later shamelessly hired four lawyers for him. Experts say that people with a victim mentality have a high likelihood of developing pathological obsession when they date. 
Hanyujun's murder plan had been slowly progressing over 53 days since the stalking began until the murder. According to Chu Jae-yeon, human rights team leader of the Korea Women's Hotline, there are generally more threats of self-harm than threats of murder in dating violence. On the outside, it may look like an attempt to make it difficult for the victim to break off the relationship, but the purpose is definitely not to recover the relationship. Ultimately, those who aim to control by shaking the victim in their hands will harm the other party without hesitation for revenge when they get out of their control. The reality of people like Han Yo-jun who use the tender hearts of women who deeply empathize with their lovers as tools of control and play the weak is that they are patriarchal and violent. The main analysis of experts, including criminal psychologist Lee Soo-jung, is that they are not people who can be persuaded in the first place. After receiving support from his parents in the United States, Han Yo-jun hastily assembled a team of four law firm attorneys and postponed the trial. He only admitted to the murder, denying stalking and threats. Although his lawyer requested a mental evaluation, it was rejected, and he was sentenced to life imprisonment and 20 years of electronic ankle bracelet in the first trial on October 6, 2016. However, he appealed without remorse, and a massive signature campaign began in support of the victim Kim Jong-un's family by the Korea Women's Hotline. On May 30th, 2017, in the second trial, Han Yo-jun, who was sentenced to life imprisonment while being exempted from wearing an electronic bracelet, appealed again and received a final life imprisonment sentence from the Supreme Court in September 2017. In an interview with Han Yo-jun aired on February 7, 2018, he bizarrely said he was not sure whether he did it out of hate or love, expressing the difficulty of his present life. When asked if he regretted it, he said yes and lamented that every night Chung-un appeared in his dreams, looking so pretty as she was when they were dating, and that he felt genuinely sorry and struggled with it. Han Yu-jun, who denied ruining her life until the end and felt pain thinking about the happy days, habitually said he wanted to die. But Han was just a miserable and twisted person who had no intention of making his lover happy from the beginning. Since the 1990s, all states in the United States have enacted anti-stalking laws, and since 1998, stalking via the internet has also been included in the punishable offenses. Similarly, Germany enacted a separate law in 2007 considering all acts of approaching and contacting via phone as stalking. And if it is judged to harm physical or mental health, a prison sentence of three to five years is imposed. However, South Korea only started taking action and passed an anti-stalking bill in 2022. Six years after the murder of Kim Jong-un, and 22 years after the first bill was proposed in 2000. Moreover, this was thanks to the publicized story of a woman who was tormented by stalking for a full 10 years and eventually murdered in May 2020. But still, police tend to be reluctant to intervene in stalking between couples, dismissing it as a lover's quarrel. It is essential to remember that stalking could be, more often than not, a runaway train heading towards the terminal station of murder from the day it starts. 
That's all for today. Thanks for watching.